Good morning. It's morning here. I'm in I'm at my home in Yosengishu, Eldoret, Kenya. We went for the Easter break, so it's morning. But I know you may listen to this at a different time. So hello. Today we're going to do the topic on self-improvement or self-development. I think it's an important subject of inquiry for it's a large it's a huge topic for which we can devote some of our attention as i said in the previous podcast i am learning how to do podcasts necessarily because i want to learn how to speak just before what do you call it now an imaginary audience or at least an an audience which is not immediately present at the time of recording. So self-development, we, we can define what is it? What is self-development? To develop is to change for the better, to ameliorate or amelioration. People usually say that change is constant, So, but change is not always amelioration. Change can be to the negative, or just some sort of maintenance. Because the person I am today is not exactly the person I was yesterday. Much has changed, but much has remained the same. So amelioration is change to the positive side. Then of course the opposite is degradation, which is change to the negative side. Self-improvement, self-development, these are near synonyms. So improvement means to, obviously, make better to to improve upon so we shall begin with a moral imperative from a book by ellen white a book by the title child guidance page 164 paragraph 2 it says our first duty to god and to our fellow beings is in self-development every faculty with which the creator has endowed as should be cultivated to the highest degree of perfection that you may be able to do greatest amount of good of which we are capable in order to purify and refine our characters we need the grace given us of christ that will enable us to see and correct our deficiencies and improve that which is excellent in our characters so i find this important in a sense that this is a servant of god intimating that our first duty to God is actually self-development and to our fellow beings is self-development. So it's not so much of religious duty and, you know, I mean, we we have so many first duties. People think that our first duty is to go out and preach. Well, while our first duty is really to work on ourselves. Okay. Um, so I guess we, we can take that tangent, then we might come back to this quotation later. So self-improvement has gotten a bad rap over the last couple of years, you know, because people think that self-improvement is, is an arrival, something you do one day and tomorrow you are done. Something you, you just aim at once and 
all of a sudden you you are better you see the way people think that to lose weight you need to you just need to stop eating something else and that's it you know but for instance in the in the direction of weight gain or weight loss which is primarily a function of the calories we take that's almost more than 90% more than 90% what we what we eat and about 10% the activity we do so our biggest focus while while losing weight or at least gaining weight is not so much what you do it's what you eat okay so the the standard to aim towards or to aim or to approach is actually taking say two meals a day without snacking in between that's like the standard if you do that you you're not going to gain weight unnecessarily if you for those who did agriculture in in school there's something called maintenance ration and productivity ration when you want to just maintain your normal average amount of milk from your cattle for instance you just feed them the same amount of food every day and they're going to just get that maintenance but if you want to let's say you want your cattle to go into heat for instance you're going to increase the their food not significantly but by a certain percentage so if you want to lose weight it's not so much it's not so much the activity you do it's not so much about going to the gym or running around every morning it's watching what you eat you can you can take a book tabulate like how many times have i eaten today have i did i did i check breakfast and between breakfast and lunch what else did i check and lunch how much did i check what which foods which which nutrients did i check and at supper did i did i did i eat supper early enough or did i just eat supper then go out and sleep there are some of these wrestlers i think they're from the eastern nations when they want to when you want to become a, a wrestler you eat heavily and then you go sleep immediately so the food for which you took is turned almost primarily to fat because you're not using the food you took so i mean i think that's self-improvement proper it's not it's not some gimmick it's in the words of joko willing the navy seal he says that self-improvement is a campaign a campaign is is like going to war you you're there every day you know you show up every day some days of course you might feel tired and stuff and that's allowed but it's not it's not a touch and go thing it's not you ignite a car then then it drives itself to whatever destination you have to ignite the car you have to stay inside the car you have to in a jam you don't you don't switch it off you, you're there you're there you're there watching for the lights and stuff so self-improvement actually leads to what i call others improvement it's not entirely selfish you need to as dimron says when you become better then your friends have a better friend to lean on they you become you might become better at finances finances are not meant to benefit you primarily but they benefit everyone else who is who is within your inner circle and at least your family and maybe even people from afar off 
But before you self-improve or before you aim at becoming better, then there's nothing to it. Like you'll, it'll be, it'll be deluded and delusional and disillusioned, majorly. You know, there are people who think that the salvation coming from the political class. You know, that if if you vote this guy in, then it's going to change our lives significantly. Rarely does that happen unless someone is a dictator who is going to, you know, impair your mobility and your ability to produce something of economic viability. Then any other politician, especially in the democratic world, they don't really affect you as much. A president or a king is not going to farm your farm for you. They're not going to pay your fee for you. They're not going to. They're not going to wash you, for instance. You have to do some of these things yourself. What they can do, they can build better roads, maybe better hospitals. They can provide, as in the archetype of the king archetype in masculinity by Robert Moore and Gillette. The king, the work of the king is just to provide an environment for things to prosper, you know. So that's the work of a president or at least a king for that matter. It's not so much to peer into your personal life. Your personal life is... It's called your personal life for a reason. It's yours to look into and maybe God's to to weigh or to judge. So I have some self-improvement leads to the improvement of other people. Other people, well, may improve you, but also almost always rarely. People change primarily via two reasons, at least according to Jim Rohn, via inspiration and via desperation. I think you know people who drink, at least we see them in hospital. They, and then there's, there's this notion that things are relative, you know. Um, something is just contextual. Like drinking alcohol is, is, not, is neither good nor evil. It's something which depends on the situation. But I believe in moral objectivity where, you know, alcohol is bad. You know, fornication is bad or evil, for instance, and then the other things are good. So, no matter what people say, we usually see very many drunkards come to our hospitals, and they're not abnormal people, they're not, you know, people with bad genes, they're just people like you and me. Actually, the in, in the psychiatric wards, we actually find <clears throat> we actually find other doctors, you know, people who use who use drugs and they got drug in this psychosis. Yeah, just imagine people can lose their usefulness for something which they propounded for. No matter how much you say, narcotics are, are bad for your health and for everybody else's. So it's not moral relativism, it's moral objectivism. There's such a thing as right and wrong. There's such a thing as good and evil. <clears throat> this postmodernist culture of ours is going to, like it has done in previous nations, it's going to turn its, its negative side on ourselves and it won't be really good. So self-improvement, according to me, I have three, three stages, so to speak. I got this from the book Grit by... Angela Duckworth, but I've read every other book for which she mentions this comes from. So according to me, 
self-improvement is primarily a function of mindsets and then two a function of optimism and pessimism and then number three uh, fortitude follow through or grit so one how do we change or why do we change or why do we self ameliorate or self-improve or self-develop because of our mindset so according to the book mindsets by carol dweck she should she should be a professor of sorts she she says there are two mindsets for which we for which all of us are subject to not subject to that we have there's the growth mindset and then there is the fixed mindset so i'll ask you a question do you believe that your intelligence is something deeply set within you or is it something which can be changed significantly do you believe that your talent is fixed or it's something which you can change significantly if you put in effort do you believe that you know your character is something which you are born with or is it something which you acquire over the ages and something which you may change over time so if you believe that it's something which you can change over time you you're more likely to have the growth mindset and if you believe that these things are basic qualities about yourself which you have very little chance of changing then you have more of a fixed mindset so just to say all of us have a fixed mindset some sort of a basic fixed mindset within within ourselves when we usually wish that if, if somebody says something mean to us we'd be like oh you know i understand you maybe you had a bad day or something but naturally when somebody says a bad thing to us we get defensive we might even fight someone so that's we are all after all human you know we are we are human all too human if i can quote someone else and then we also have an inborn growth mindset when when we see a child for instance who is trying to learn how to walk for instance we we encourage them we're like okay it's okay you know you fell you can rise up again whenever we see someone who is struggling we, we we tell them you know we know we know this thing we know we've been there so get up get up again we we are with you we are watching we are going to help you so but these things usually play out in our in our world a lot compared to the outer world if if someone suffers on the street we are very likely to help them but if i myself am suffering let's say i got some disease i'm not likely to go to the hospital you know i'll be like oh let me watch let me see how this goes i think we there's a book by jordan peterson which is explaining why some people who get transplants are actually unwilling to go on with medication and he was proposing that deep down we have some self self-loathing with our own selves in fact some book which i read some time back actually said the difference between a robot and a human being is that a robot can look at a mirror and recognize itself but a human being we look at a mirror and hate that which it sees on or in the mirror so i think that's the major difference between robots and human beings human beings can hate that they see back to the book which i quoted previously to get let's say a kidney transplant you need like a lot of things to happen just before that occurs you need to find a suitable donor you need to pay a lot of money you need to have like a series of 
a battery of tests than highly qualified doctors to you know do the surgery and then the surprising part is these guys who get this this kidneys for instance usually from the relatives or at least the body organs from the relatives they they usually willfully stop checking their drugs you know these drugs which are meant to reduce the autoimmune responses or what do you call it graft rejection our bodies naturally detest anything which is foreign to us so imagine all the things you do to get someone to have a kidney and then they stop taking drugs so while you might look at their activity as evil we ourselves are, are more like them we you know i mean i've been addicted to stuff before and you know i know i know i know everything about addictions i know i know addictions are bad they, they're not meant to benefit me but as addicted all the same it's in medical school actually many students use not many students a, a percentage of a percentage of students actually used drugs and alcohol they're like okay so you guys don't know these things are bad <laughs> of course we know we we've studied we we read these things in class but the fact that we actually willing to do the opposite of what we know actually shows that this is a common human trait uh best case scenario or at least best example is the way a student knows that <clears throat> if they don't study for an exam they're going to fail but they don't study <laughs> they don't study anyway they wait for like the last minute then they study then the it's a fever it's a, fev- a feverish attempt you know <laughs> a febrile attempt then then we pass then we for for the next week we we feel we feel really bad we we go back to our, our alcohol then the cycle repeats again i think we know what's best for us but we rarely do that so if actions speak louder than words all of us have a degree of self-loathing you know i know that which is good for me but i don't do it so mm, what do you call that so growth mindset growth mindset is the belief that any skill any ability is actually plastic is actually malleable it can be changed significantly from the age when <clears throat> when iq tests were were really popular people would if somebody if a, if a kid was told that their iq test intelligence quotient test came out really good they'd actually go to perform really well in life but if someone was told that the iq was you know subpar they might actually check that diagnosis as definitive of their future attainments and many would live would lead like a a sub and you call it subnormal life life which is below that which they could attain but we've come to the age of where intelligence actually has many has many definitions or at least has many parts these these i don't know kinesthetic intelligence and stuff i believe the i believe that intelligence is the ability to acquire information basically that i think it's that that's what you usually mean by intelligence not the i don't know bodily intelligence and stuff but of course there there are all those things musical intelligence and stuff which i still think it's just acquiring information you can't learn music just because you you're born with i don't know what but you have to learn you have to learn all those tones all those all those musical notations and stuff you're not born knowing them no child is born knowing their name after all but some people naturally 
I gravitate towards learning music. I think I learned somewhere from it. Maybe it was YouTube. You see the way people who have like big muscles are allowed to compete among themselves in weightlifting. So in the same way, people who are hyper intellectuals, so to speak, hope that's not pejorative, hyper intellectuals are allowed to compete among themselves to, to, to weigh their own ideas, to bounce over ideas, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so, so does a man make another man better. So if, if you live with your own ideas and you never share them with other people, it's very likely that you might sink into some delusion. Delusion is at least believing that something is, it's some form of bigotry where you think that you're always right, you know, the way dictators sink from paranoia to madness. So it's almost always because you you never subject your ideas to, to the test. No, no one questions you, you just, just, just sleep today, then tomorrow you wake up and you think, just because you, you, you thought of the idea, then it's correct, which is almost always false. Ideas need to be need to be bounced off. There needs to be some form of competition. You need to, if you cannot defend your idea, then you probably don't know it. So growth mindset, every every ability, every every skill is largely, hugely malleable, hugely plastic. You can change your intelligence significantly. Fixed mindset, okay. Actually, even back to IQ scores, IQ scores have been shown to, they're not static over time, they actually change significantly over time, especially during our adolescent years. If someone had an IQ test of, let's say 110, some, some, some years prior, in, they can actually raise that to maybe 120, 130. 130 is almost approaching genius. Fixed mindset is the opposite. The belief that our, our skills, our our capabilities are fixed in stone. We we are born whether win or lose the genetic lottery. I think it's like physical beauty, you know. <laughs> you either have it or you don't. It's not it's not it's not it's not something relative, you know. It's not, you know, beauty lies in the eye of the beholder. Of course those things are there, maybe to make people feel good, but beauty is beauty, you know, so you you're either beautiful or not. So <laughs> there's that. So mindsets are they're basic to our self-improvement. Having more of growth mindset is actually is actually is actually good, at least long term. But having a fixed mindset is is not. Of course, it's a natural state, but at least we should try to we should strive to change that to growth mindset. Yeah. Then two. Or at least step number two of self-improvement after our mindsets. And again, a mindset is just a belief system. It's something you can change over time. We all have theories of how the world works. Some of us believe that you actually need to labor to, to get your daily bread. And then some people believe that you, the world is, you know, there is unfairness, there is racism. There's, of course, there, there are people who are racist, but... They're not going to feed you. It's, it's you, after all, is going to like till your land, you know. This is quote by Amazon. I don't think I can render it as it is verbatim. It says, No kernel of nourishing corn can, can, can come to him but through his toil. I mean, you cannot get your food by other hands apart from 
your own. You have to you have to toil, you have to till your farm for you to get your nourishing corn. Okay. Um then now to step number two, optimism and pessimism. Optimism is the general being generally bullish. At least if you've traded Forex, you know, bullish is something which is tending upwards, then bearish is when 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 the markets are going down. Of course, so optimism is the belief that things are going to turn out well generally. Pessimism is the belief that things are going to turn out negatively in the general aspect. Actually, these things have been shown. There's a book by Martin Seligman. It's called Land Optimism. It came from an experiment in which they were experimenting on dogs. Dogs would be, they'd be put in cages. Some cages had access to, or at least they, they had doors which could allow dogs to move out, or at least they had control over the the shocks or the duration of the shocks they got. So some dogs were placed in some cages which were locked. There was there was no way to there was no for the dogs to escape in case they they got shocked. Electric shock that is. So the dogs which 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 are uh, which should be shocked while there was no avenue for escape actually learned something called land helplessness. Whenever whenever the shocks introduced they just stay there sit until the until the shock is over while the dogs which had an avenue for escape actually learn something the 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 researchers later called land optimism or at least land trying to get yourself out of a situation so which which they later dubbed land optimism in the book which which i guess you you can read land optimism by martin seligman he actually shows how you know our our ideas about how the world works actually affect our health. There's this story of a guy who they they they, they, had, a, they had a child, it was a family, a young family. Then when kids are usually born, they don't they, their hearing system is not their hearing acuity is not as good as that of adults. So the guy, because he was a pessimist, I don't know if it's a real story or a fictitious story, he he actually went almost into depression, clinical depression, because he thought he was going to, he thought his child was, you know, deaf. <laughs> yeah, but the wife was the opposite. The wife was like, okay, we can go and consult with our, with our pediatrician. We can ask what's going on. And, and yeah, she was right. Kids are usually born with their senses not fully developed. And yeah, just imagine in that, in those three days, the husband had gone from, from from hope to despair to some sort of depression just because of the mindset which just because of the mindset the pessimistic view which they had so these things matter optimism optimism is the belief that things are going to turn out generally well over time pessimism is the belief that things are going to turn out generally negative negatively over time of course there is this idea just for philosophical usages the idea that there is actually something called pessimism for strength of course it will be delusional for you to believe that things are not going to ever go negative you know we live in a real world the world is full of negative experiences so to believe that things are just going to turn out well for 
all of us all the time is you know it's, it's impractical and then there's also something called toxic positivism toxic optimism so to speak where you just believe that things are must must go must must turn out well all the time is it polyanism being a polyana expecting that things are, are are never going to go wrong again like that's wrong we we actually need some sort of a balance where you 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 believe that you might actually go hungry tomorrow so you have to at least till your till your land you know you have to tend to your garden because nobody knows things might go wrong there's a bible verse is there a bible verse really i'm just forcing it Yeah, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes should be 11 verse 2. I think it's 11 verse 2. It says, uh, Give a portion to seven and to eight, for you do not know what evil shall come upon the earth. Uh, NIV says, Invest in seven ventures, for you do not know what is coming upon the earth. Um, verse 6 Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6, it says, In the morning sow your seed, in the evening with the hold not your hand, for you not know which one will prosper, either this or that, or whether they bought alike be good. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12 actually says that, you know, you should worship or at least try to know God in your youth because evil days are coming. So it's good to be aware of that. It's good to save for your retirement. It's good to save for... You might have kids someday. You might actually get sick long term over time. So... Be prepared at least. Watch your health, you know. So that's optimism and pessimism. Uh, surprisingly, growth mindset leads to optimism. Fixed mindset leads to pessimism. I think you've seen people who try to maintain a certain facade that, you know, their families are, are, are doing well, they are doing well. These are the people who usually crumble, these are the people who usually crash. They, they don't have, they cannot be vulnerable, so their hearts cannot be open to the world, you know. If you walk, if you walk around with, with, such, with such ideas that you're invincible, then the world is going to break your feet, you know. <clears throat> then the last step, at least in this model of self-improvement after mindsets and pessimism and optimism is actually grit or fortitude or follow through. It's been shown that the kids who actually perform best over time, others who have grit, others who were able to persevere under challenges, or those who are able to follow through with fortitude, with you know some sort of gusto when things when things go wrong. Our our natural reaction when when th when things when you fail is not is not you know. I'm, I'm I'm going to rise again. It's we we actually feel sad when when things go when things go wrong as they sometimes will. We we're supposed to feel bad. That's that's our natural reaction. But again, to to pretend that things that we don't feel this thing that we you know we 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 are the best guys. We we are immune to pain. Like that's that's foolish. That's idiotic. So grit, fortitude, the. There was a study, or at least people have been trying to find out which kind of people are going to stay in in the army, or at least the Navy SEALs and the Green Berets and how do you call this? I forget the the primary study in the book Grit. It was, it was from a certain people who are in West Point. What do, what do they do? 
So they're, they're, they're trying to study which kind of people are going to stay, are going to stay because the attrition rate, or at least the people are going to drop out from from such a school of learning. Like the, it was still, it was still significant. You know, you do a lot just to get into into that school, West Point, and then people just drop out like within the first six months. So they wanted to know what kind of people are going to stay and what kind of people are going to drop away. There, there are similar studies by Jordan Peterson for which he says that the people who are highly conscientious were likely to stay while those who are not conscientious are likely to drop out. And then there are a series of studies by Angela Duckworth which says that people who who have, who have fortitude were likely to stay. So I think these studies do not conflict People who are people who have fortitude are also people who have grit, yeah, and they're majorly conscientious. So I think these studies are what do you call it? They they confirm each other. They are not they are not conflicting theories. So. Um, Grit is an important factor. You need to you need to persevere when things turn south. Okay, this is this is something which you can learn. It's not we are not born with it, but we something which we can learn. I think the the one part which I had yesterday on hope, at least I think it's a chapter from the book, is it actually depends the time in which you learn to you learn challenges actually matters. For instance. Rats, which it was a majorly an experiment from rats, the rats which were exposed to suffering when they were in their adolescent years, in their adolescent weeks, were likely to they got some they got somewhat some sort of immunity to setbacks, and when they were exposed to some big challenges over time in their adulthood, they they did not succumb to you know physical deterioration as those as those, as the adult rats would so the the implication was for human beings it actually matters when you when you meet like significant challenges if you meet them in your adolescent years and you overcome them then you somehow have some some immunity to you know great failure if, if you can fail when you're young and persist that's 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 going to help you long term. But someone there's there's a term by people called fragile puppets, people who've never failed before. Whenever they fail, they, they're going to fail like really significantly. I guess I was such when I was in high school. Because the first time I failed, my world sort of collapsed. Because I had I had defined myself primarily via my academic attainments and the, the first day I hit failure to my face. It was, it was really, it was really significant. So, this is it on self improvement. Again, back to the quote by Ellen White. She says, "Our first duty to God and to our fellow beings is self development." So, we're actually doing it out of duty, not out of respect or something. We just want its duty. You know, it's. You know, when you go to heaven, you want to be like, you know, God, I, I did podcasts, I did YouTube videos, so admit me to heaven. It's, God will be like, that was your duty. That's what I expected you to do. 
you know, that which Christ did. He said somewhere that all, all I do, uh, that which I do, it is my Father who sent me to do it. So all the good which Christ did was actually just duty. It was not out of compulsion or out of some heroic motive. So our first duty, we are doing, we are doing self-improvement, or at least we are aiming towards self-improvement out of duty. It's not out of out of a desire to please anyone or to make money. So our first duty to God and to our fellow beings is self-development. The best way you can be of gainful use to the people around you is actually via self-development. If if you can learn your your own emotions, you know, you can you can learn what, what it means to be emotionally intelligent, what it means to be there to someone who's lost, let's say their relative. I mean, how to grieve, how to face your pain. Then you're going to to be overly a better human being. This again back to Jordan Peterson actually says that our highest goal should be to improve being. It's not to it's not to make money. Again, the highest goal of life is not to make money. It's to it's to improve lives for other people, to improve this collective thing called being. You know, to make to make life better for ourselves, for other people, and who knows what that that sometimes this means to to teach people how to suffer bravely i think that's a quote from or at least a phrase from victor frank who went to the concentration camps of, of the nazis so our first duty to god and to our fellow beings is in self-development every faculty with which the creator has endowed us should be cultivated to the highest degree of perfection so the faculties we have from our, our voice to our minds to our physical abilities, they should be cultivated to the highest degree of perfection. Why? That you may be able to do our greatest, that you may be able to do the greatest amount of good of which we are capable. So if if one could die, let's say, having achieved, you know, 90% of the things they're meant to do, if they self-improve, maybe they might achieve 91%. And that's significant. If you if if you change like one percent of your of what you could achieve in a lifetime of seventy years, that one percent is really significant. If if you, if let's say somebody was going to achieve ten percent and then they change that to twenty percent, that's really significant. Then, in order to purify and refine our characters, we need the grace given us of Christ. So grace is the energy the power which comes from God. So we cannot do this thing on our own. We need, you know, you tell God, I have an issue with my voice, then you pray about it, then he leads you to people who are going to help you with that. Or at least he may, he may you know, <laughs> like Moses, for instance, he may just find someone to help you. At the end of Moses' life, actually, God says he was, he was an eloquent man. So I think... Aaron was appointed to help him, but we don't see him helping him in in any other situation. So, yeah. So he actually got that which he that which God intended for him. Um. So Christ will enable us to see and correct your deficiencies. I think that's important. It's God who shows us. By the way, you need to you need to work on this, and then and improve that which is excellent in our characters. 
right now there are things which you do well there are things which you do which you do not so well so yeah it's the grace of god which vice angels is going to reveal to us the things our deficiencies and the things which we need to improve best so this was this was an episode on self improvement we need of course it's a moral it's a moral imperative self improvement has gotten a bad rap over time because people believe it's it's a touch and go thing it's something you just do once self improvement paradoxically will leads to improvement of other people others improvement uh, the three stages of self improvement comes from at least changing our mindsets to from from our default fixed mindset to growth mindset then learning how to become more optimistic again we we are default we have a default pessimistic attitude and then learning how to persevere under under pressure or under significant problems that is grit or fortitude or follow through so all the best may you have a good day